Welcome to Hope Leads. This is David Skidmore, Creative Director for SALT. I'm stepping in for the welcome today because I also get to serve as the director for our brand new city conferences. This coming July 22nd, we are hosting our first ever city conference, Leadership One Day. We know leadership isn't easy, so we are creating a day to share fresh ideas, innovative leadership practices, and have you walking out more hope-filled to be the solution to the challenges of our city. You can sign up to receive info for the City Conference Leadership One Day at salt.com slash conferences. And this October 21 through 23, we are officially launching the City Conference as we convene leaders to rise up in their sphere of influence and be the solution to the challenges of our city. You will receive fresh ideas, innovative leadership practices, and walk back into your role more hope-filled to be the solution to the challenges of our city. Remember, City Conference Leadership One Day is this July 22, and the official City Conference will be this October 21 through 23. Go to salt.com slash conferences and sign up today to learn more about how you can engage with the City Conference Leadership One Day in the official City Conference. That's salt.com slash conferences. Now, Let's go to Wes's hope-filled conversation with Greg Gunn. Well, 30 years ago, my dad gave me a devotional book that came to mean a great deal to me. It's called Streams in the Desert, Volume 1 by Mrs. Charles E. Cowman. I've experienced adversity many times over those decades, and that little book has indeed been a source of refreshment in a parched desert. I'll read just one quote I underlined many years ago. Quote, Hardship is the price of coronation. Triumphal arches are not woven out of rose blossoms and silken cords, but of hard blows and bloody scars. Close quote. Well, wow, I can't tell you how many times I drew strength for another day from reading this encouraging daily devotional, how God uses trials to bring us success. So often we look at hardship as the wrong or the worst thing, the thing from which we want to escape. And while we view our comfort and security as the best thing and the thing to which we must cling. Well, in the supernatural life with God, the truth is often just the opposite. My guest today is a great guy who, but for the proverbial storm, would never have gotten to do what he does today. Certainly would have never fully jumped out of the boat. Maybe maybe that might be a way of putting it. And and what he does today is, is impacting the lives of so very many people and their families. And his name is Greg Gunn. Greg. Yeah. It's great to see you. Man, I'm so glad to be here. This man, is a treat, oh man. man. I, is... I, 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 we're like ships passing in the night. <laughs> right, right. I, I bump into you hither and yon, right. and and, uh, and, right. and every time I do, you you light my rockets. <laughs> and so great. I thought, well, I just said I might just set a a schedule or something with him and just light all our rockets a little bit. <laughs> right, that's great. In fact, I, I I'm just um, sitting here excited about this conversation and. I'd heard um, your podcast with uh, Mart Green. Oh, yeah, and was so fired up. That thing is still impacting me. Oh, uh, almost every week. I think of again something else that you guys talked about on that. He, podcast. So, he, if, he, he if you've not a, heard that podcast, oh. I'm gonna I'm gonna ask anyone who's listening to this podcast get get the get the the podcast uh, with Wes and Mart. Well, you know, thank you for that because sure. Mart Mart was a multi layer. 
uh, dessert. Oh my heavens! I and mean, you, drew, you, just, you drew it out of it, man. Oh, really, you, you well, were good. I, I tell, you just keep you were digging. Asking the right, you just keep digging and right digging, questions. and there's just more and more and more. So, right, right. Uh, yes. I mean, that's that's uh, that, and he was so tr- transparent and, and just uh, anyway. So true. It's, so true. Uh, it's uh, good. Well, well, okay. So now that puts you on notice. I <laughs> right. dug and dug and dug with him, and right. so uh, okay. okay. Good. Well, I'm with you. We'll I'm with you 100. Well, well, you know, so it, it, the thing that I have always, and I and I think it's, I, I think we we share a, a a real common interest, and I think this is one reason why what you do with family ID and like really has always lit my rockets, and that's right. because you're. You're doing so. Whereas, like with salt, we're we're talking to individuals, wanting them to drill down. Why? Why did God put you on Earth? And 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 what does success look like in that? And then and then, but you in in family ID, I, I think it's so fascinating because you're helping whole families come together as a family and think legacy generationally. Uh, and I just think that is that's just a beautiful thing. It's always it's I've always well, thought it's fascinating. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, I do, and I feel like it's what God put me on this earth to do. Is that is what I was designed? It gives me energy. It gives me joy. It gives me uh, fulfillment. <clears throat> I feel like I've I get to. Uh, there's this incredible battle to fight. There's this adventure to live. This is part of the adventure I get to live is is to help families lay the foundations for many godly generations. That's my my whole. We, we you know, <clears throat> f- finding that sweet spot, I, mm. and I, I do think that is something that you, what you just described is like, hey, this is this is I'm excited to be in this to do these things, and it's because yes, you're you were wired to do what you do, and you're and you're walking in that, and I think so many people. Don't have not taken that journey, or they they've not done the the spiritual math uh, to really uh, to, yeah. to really drill down on that. So if if you would, okay, so so we we've touched just a little bit on. I mean, we've given at least a big idea of what family legacy and really generationally understanding. This is what our family uh, is about, our values and all that. But so, but let's let's. I want to back up. A little bit, um, uh, maybe quite a bit. I don't know. You right, tell me. Right, okay. but, but would you just give? There's a path. Every, everybody who's listening that hears and, and is hearing Greg Dunn walk in his sweet spot. Greg didn't just wake up one day and suddenly he's doing. There was a path yeah. to that. Yeah. Uh, and and so would you just to, to yeah. just give us your background? Sure. You're, sure. You're, where, where are you from? Yeah. I mean, right, where, where, where I grew that? up and what? all that. Yep. All right. Yep, yep. Good. Good. All right. I grew up in Ada, Oklahoma. <clears throat> my uh, my grandfather moved from Little Rock, Arkansas in 1952, moved to Bethany, Oklahoma, and started a car business. He opened a, a motel there and then and then started a, a used car business. He had that business in, uh, in Arkansas. Uh, the name of his company was Diffie Motor Company. I was and, getting ready to ask yeah, you, right. is that the Diffies? Because I Diffies. think I saw... I think I saw your relatives. You, you, I, I saw there was a r- relational connection yes, there. Yes. And when you said that, I went, "Oh my gosh, yeah. this is the Diffies, which right. was just a, a wonderful, they're awesome, Christian, awesome family. Yeah, family, incredible. Right there. Yeah, my grandfather John Diffie was the most influential person in my life, next to my parents. Uh, and <clears throat> he passed away when I was I was twelve mm. in 1972, and um, I only spent maybe. Um, two or three times a year with him 
um, on, you know, just short periods, mm -hmm. Christmas, or he'd, they'd come and see us in Ada from, from Bethany once in a while. We would always come up to Oklahoma City for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, so forth. But um, he was just one of the most influential people in my life. And um, I wanted, I, to this day, I want to, I want to grow up and be like him. Uh, he, he just had this ability to make you feel like you were the most important person in the world. Mm. In fact, every one of the grandkids would tell you to this day, I was grandpa's favorite <laughs> grandchild. Okay. I don't know how he did that. Uh -huh. I'm thinking, okay, God, I, oh, exactly. I want to learn that gift. I want to, I want every one of my children, grandchildren to think, okay, I'm dad's favorite. I'm grandpa's favorite. All right. And so that just that set me up for me wanting to be like him. Of course, he was a car salesman. Yeah. Uh, he was, uh, you know, ne never met a stranger, um, all that. And I I don't know how much of I am today based on what I assumed uh, he had to go through to become that kind of person. But um, I've, I've just, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm pumped up. I'm always, you know, uh, selling something. <laughs> I don't know what, what I'm selling, but I'm selling something. Um, and so that, that, that really set me up. So I grew up in, in Ada, my father, uh, and my mother met at what is today Southern Nazarene university. Yeah. They got married SNU. <clears throat> at SNU. And then, um, then my, my wife's mother went to SNU come to find it out, uh, years before that. But, uh, anyway, my, my parents get married. My, my dad becomes a pharmaceutical rep for, a company and his territory was in Southeast Oklahoma. So Ada was a pretty central location. And, and so my dad would be gone two weeks every month. Uh, he'd sleep four nights a week and then come home on the weekends. And then uh, two, two, two weeks a month, he was, he was at home. So um, the, uh, my parents just were awesome. They taught me to pray. They prayed with us at every meal, prayed before we went to bed at night, tucked us in and prayed over us, made us pray out loud. So we learned to pray out loud because mom and dad made us do it. Um, then we'd pray before we went to school, prayed, prayed. We, we were we were a Christian family, went to church every time the doors were open. Uh, my dad was just a, a very generous guy um, and smart guy. Uh, I, and I, I was born with dyslexia. And mm -hmm. uh, my mother was dyslexic. My, my grandfather, come to find out, probably was dyslexic as well, John Diffie. But... Um, so that that really was a handicap as as I was growing up, and it, it created. I now that I'm able to look back and 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 have some some understanding, it's probably where a, a pretty big wound came into my life was from that that being dyslexic and well, just well, not so, being good in school. So so, so for the, those who don't, <clears throat> right. you know, they, They've heard of dyslexia, and right. so so what is that? Specifically? Okay, it's it's actually a word, somewhat of a word blindness, or or you see words backwards. Um, you see letters backwards. Mm -hmm. So uh, when I was writing, draw, you know, writing my ABCs as a kid, I would write the, the some of the the letters backwards, mm -hmm. and thinking I was writing them forward, but they were they were coming out backwards. So my ability to read was very poor. And I didn't even know I was I was handicapped or or had dyslexia because I saw it truly saw it as a handicap. Um, I didn't know it until I was like second grade. And in the second grade, I'm sitting at the back of the room at the blue table, okay, where all the slow kids sat. Oh, man. And, uh, and then, you know, kids would come by and say, see my thumb? Gee, you're dumb. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh. And so oh. Uh, dude, oh, hey, here's, here's what I've discovered. If you ever get humiliated in school, you spend the rest of your educational life avoiding humiliation 
and learning something becomes way second or third in your in your priorities in in in, in school. So wow. I got I got I felt that humiliation, you know. So I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to avoid humiliation. So I wanted, I then became, um, I needed people's approval. I needed them to like me. I needed to be the happiest, go luckiest, the whatever well, I needed hard. to be. Oh, dude. Man, I walked that It's exhausting. Road, right? that, oh, that's, that's, man, that's oh, like a full-time job. I became a people pleaser. I became so concerned about what everybody thought. I wonder what they're going to think. Were you uh, a class comedian? Yeah, and at that, and yeah, yeah, just trying to do anything I could, yeah, uh, and to to be to be accepted. I wanted to be accepted, and so uh, also I, my mom. Uh, I'm the second born of of four kids. My older sister is ten months and two weeks older than me, so mm-hmm. they they consider that an Irish twin. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so if you're born less less twelve months from your sibling, you're considered an Irish twin. I have no idea why, but um, they people so, would be googling that though. If you're <laughs> exactly. Irish twin, did, Irish, what's an Irish twin? twin? Is that yeah. like uh, so, uh, you're marrying your cousin? Or, right, or exactly. What is that? No, so my okay, yeah, my, yeah, so my parents, my mom goes back after her uh, for her six week checkup uh, after having uh, having my my older sister Robin and. Uh, she finds out she's pregnant and I'm going, dude, man, my parents, they didn't fool around, but well, maybe they did fool <laughs> well, around, they but anyway, they hear, <laughs> hear my mom's pregnant with me and she busts out crying oh, and, man. uh, the doctor goes, I'm Mrs. Gunn, I'm so sorry. I, um, I know this is a, a shock to you and so forth. Uh, look, there, there are some procedures you can do to take care of that pregnancy. I don't do those. But if the, if this is causing you so much, no, 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 I don't, I don't want. I'm, I'm just, I, this is just overwhelming to me. You know, uh, I'm gonna have another child. You know, I'm already pregnant again. So oh, oh. anyway, went up. My mother and dad end up having four kids in five and a half years. Oh my gosh! So we were like a. We they never were like could a, quite figure that yeah, out. We were a litter. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and so um, the uh, so. I grew up with just in a in an awesome family, but yet I, I got these wounds kind of early in my life, you know, um, and so uh, just wasn't really good in school, so I couldn't couldn't read, couldn't couldn't spell, oh, atrocious speller, even to this day, um, and so the uh, thus I wanted to try to figure out something I was good at, and so I was pretty good in sports. I was pretty fast. I, I, so football became my, my sport of choice. And, and so I excelled a little bit. I, I, I kind of say that now that any, any student, any child needs to find something they're good at. They can't go down through life thinking I am not good at anything, right? Find some, something, anything, uh, to be good at that, that can give you something to kind of hold on to and get through those awkward growing up years, you know, that kind of thing. But, well, anyway, especially you think about this. I mean, sometimes do you ever run across parents who don't, who really aren't aware of that? that oh yeah, I, that yeah their sure. child needs to find something, <laughs> and they need to really kind of maybe work on that. Help them, yes. Help them find. Lord, show me what my child is good at. What did you make them good at? Yes, and just help me to discover it, so I can, I can give them something to hold on to, give them something to to be to be excited about. Because you know, if you just try to work on getting better. Uh, at something you're terrible at, you're never going to be great at no, it. So what no. is the thing that you're, at least you've got some kind of a bent, uh, a gift 
or a bent toward that. Let's let's figure out what that is. That was that, that, that was that was why I wisely gave up uh, baseball and and most of the other sports. So this is really going nowhere, right? Fast. Right. I'm not gonna. I'm never gonna be great at that. Uh, but so that's uh, then at age uh, eight, and I started school early. My my parents had me start at five. Uh, I was born in September, September 29th. So I started school in August as a five-year-old, and I, I turned six. So I was one of the youngest kids in my class. Mm. I was dyslexic, so I was I wasn't wasn't as fast or, or you know I wasn't as mature as the other kids in my class. And my sister and I started school together. So she was one of the oldest in our class. I was one of the youngest in our class. My mom. When you're in the be, same class, yeah. My mom thought it'd be a great idea to have two kids in the first grade. You know. Oh, but um, what is more mature just from the, oh, yeah. Totally, yeah. oh wow, that would almost be tough. A, you're almost a year older. Uh, and they've done all these studies on athletes that have become great. They were almost all the oldest in their class. Thus, they were always going to be a little stronger, a little faster. a little. Bit. So growing up, they would go, oh, you're going to be really good at baseball. Yeah, kind of like the grade. eighth grader. Uh, <laughs> uh, we, there was a guy named Raymond. I won't say anything <laughs> further, but in eighth grade, he was the fastest kid in the class because he flunked tw- two years, you know? And so, of oh. course— yeah, I'd, I guess I'd, he was I'd the fastest a, I'd guy. I'd have been a happy 24-year-old senior. I'd have been a, <laughs> I'd have been fired up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Anyway, so uh, anyway, that that was that was kind of the 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 way I grew up, and and, and then my sister was I was totally dependent upon her. Um, I I really needed her approval. I needed. I'm just now able to look back at my life and see how bad I needed my sister to to. To, to give me um, approval. And and yet, for some reason, a firstborn just doesn't need the acceptance of a secondborn. But a secondborn, uh, a younger child, needs the acceptance of that older. It's almost borders on an obsession. They need that older sibling to to accept them, to encourage them, that kind of thing. Well, so how is, so how is this manifesting as you were growing up, though, as you were getting to be an older kid and a young man? And, yeah. You know, was, it, was this a a continuing yeah, it came, came kind of a conflict between my sister and I, where we, at, I needed her acceptance, and thus when she when she didn't accept oh, me, oh man, um, sure. I said, well then I I don't need her at all. You know, I'm gonna. I became so, we both, all of us became more dependent on our on our peers, on our friends, than we did on our siblings. You mm-hmm. know, we were so much more interested what's happening in the lives of our of our friends than we were in the lives of our siblings. So. It, it 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 is a threat. You know, unresolved sibling conflict is a gigantic threat to uh, a healthy family identity. And where family identity is strong, peer pressure is weak. Oh, so this was very impactful. And this has made you, uh, with, with what you're doing today, yes, yes. This, this is a big deal. Well, so what do you, what do you tell? So there are parents listening. Yeah. With kids. Sure. And, and, and how do you help them on that? You know, and I, I really, I, I look back and I realize that when, when you think about it, how many, how many, how much of Genesis is written about unresolved sibling conflict? Oh, okay. Huge. Starts with yeah. Cain and Abel yeah. and then Ishmael and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And it's really not the, scripturally, it's really not the, the siblings that, that, you know, Ishmael never killed his brother uh, Isaac, but. Uh, the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac, rivers of blood have been shed between those two, Absolutely. two siblings. So um, Jacob and Esau, um, 
uh, uh, David and his his older brothers, Joseph and his brothers. Mm. I mean, but the Bible is rife with it, yeah, with unresolved sibling conflict, and it Satan owns it. He owns every part of it, and um, where where the the sibling relationship is one of the most important. It's the longest relationship you're ever going to be in, um, longer than you're going to be a father or son or a brother or, or whatever. You're you're going to be a sibling. You're going to be so, a sibling so, longer so, than anybody. But, but but Greg, so what do you? So for the parent that's waiting on the edge of their seat, <laughs> right. saying, "So what do I do? <laughs> right? What do I do?" Well, you. That's something that no one. I never heard a single sermon. I never heard a single youth pastor, anyone, tell me that I had any responsibility for my siblings. Mm. Brotherly love meant you love. The, the, Everyone, the, the next door neighbor, exactly, but, but not not your but not sibling. necessarily not your sister. How, wait, brotherly love is one of the highest forms of love, and that concept never even crossed. Brotherly love, what in the world is that? You know, yeah. love. I just love everybody except your brother. Um, and so we we this is like a revelation to us uh, that that the sibling relationship, even the sibling relationship, now that I'm in, I'm now sixty. My sibling, younger siblings are in their four, 50s. I'm, <clears throat> they need me now more at in their 50s than they did at 15. This this sibling relationship thing is a lifelong, very important relationship that I believe God really wants to heal. So we believe every family should pass this law that you're to treat your sibling better than your best friend. And until you can get that relationship right, you lose the right to have a relationship with your friends outside of this family. So until you get this one fixed, you guys get that all worked out. You, you, your sibling, your brother is your best friend. Your sister is your best friend. Okay, wow. and you're gonna you're gonna treat them better than your best friend. So if you can't, if you wouldn't have said that to your best friend like that, if you wouldn't have done that to your best friend, if you wouldn't use that tone of voice, then you can't do that with your sibling. And that's that has been a like the blinders came off and families are now going, Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to pass the law. Um, and I, 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 t- I use this analogy that what, what would you do to a child who uh, was trying to burn the house down on the third attempt? Okay. What would be the punishment? They're in the it's three in the morning. You smell gas fumes. You get up, you're in the living room. One of the children is in there sloshing a gas can around, Mm-hmm. And they're trying to light the match. Mm-hmm. Okay, what kind of punishment would go for that? This is their third attempt mm-hmm. to try to burn the house down with all you guys in it. <laughs> okay, oh, what would you do them? Oh my gosh, they'd lose a limb. I mean, we can't even talk yeah. about what we would do for punishment for that. That mm-hmm. uh, there is no, um, there's nothing that will destroy the family unity like allowing children to be mean to each other or allowing spouses to be mean to each other. For me to treat Rhonda any different. Your wife. My yeah. wife. Uh-huh. Um, it, for me to say something to her that I wouldn't say to someone at work or to say somebody, yeah. you know, a friend at church. I can't, I've got to treat her better than my well, best. Well, and 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 the, and the typical thing, Greg, is, is that we seem to have a greater license. We'll say things to our <laughs> so-called loved ones that we would never say to the person at work. No. I mean, or someone we go to church with or... Because we would have no church friends if yeah, we did, yeah. <laughs> right? Whatever. So <clears throat> that is that is something that we've seen 
God use in a mighty way is to help families to say, okay, my gosh, how could I be so blind as not to see that the single most important um, relationship you're going to have. In fact, it's the training ground for marriage. Where are you ever going to spend all your time using the same kitchen, the same refrigerator, the same bathroom with the person who's not always kind, not always loving, not always mature. You know, that's a great point, Greg, because what you're saying is is if if you will train your kids to do this, they will then be equipped for a prospectively happy marriage. Wow, that is really good. Well, Dude, so. I mean, seriously, that's, <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a very powerful thought right there. Well, yeah. what, okay, so, but Greg, yeah. so, so moving on into, yeah. you know, so, I mean, that's, that is a great undercurrent for what you're doing now, but what, but why, yeah. how, how did, how did that you, happen? Yeah, how, how did, how did, this how did actually we get here? come right. to fruition? Well, sure, here's, here's uh, at age 19, I'm, I'm going to college, I'm a junior, there was a company that was recruiting people there on our campus, and I went to work for this financial services company at age 19. Mm-hmm. I got my license to sell insurance. Wow, that's and pretty dang, yeah. Yeah, I was, I was one of the youngest guys in the company at the time. Wow. And, uh, and so I ended up um, leaving school early. Uh, my wife graduated from college, and I, I had another semester or two left uh, that I, I needed said, to I think I'd rather go finish. make money. That's right. I want to go. Yeah. I'm going to work for this company. And, man, they did all this incredible recognition. Uh, they were like, oh, my. It was just feeding that, wanting to be liked, wanting to be, you know. Oh, um, they okay. really, really fed it. And, and so I got my license. I started working, making just – building an organization, recruiting people. Uh, and I stayed in that company for 30 years. And wow. it was in 1997. Um, we had a, a do- Our daughter was nine. Our oldest daughter, Hannah, she's 34. She was nine. Um, my second daughter was five. And our third daughter was six months old. And a good friend um, at church, the associate pastor, David Smith, said, uh, he was absent one week. The next week he was back. I said, hey, David, where were you last week? I missed you. He said, oh, my wife and I were on our annual family goal-setting weekend. I said, oh, what? what? Goal-setting uh, uh, weekend? You have an annual family goal-setting weekend. He said, yeah, this is our fifth year. Go away once a year. He's you know crazy um, uh, organized guy, and, and you know he's just like right down his alley. I go, dude, what in the world do you do on a family goal-setting weekend? He said, well, we write goals for each other. We write goals for our marriage, goals for each of our kids. Uh, we we work on our family mission statement and our vision. By the way, Greg, you need a family mission statement. You need a vision. You need core values. And then we kind of evaluate the year. How Did, did we just claim those values or did we actually live those values out, you know? Uh, by this time, I mean, it took me a millisecond to go, oh my gosh, I've got a company mission statement. I make everybody in the company memorize it. Uh, I, I'm a goal setting crazy man. Written goals are like, you know, read some book or been to some workshop. I'm, I'm at the very, in the middle of my, my, uh, fam- my goal setting craziness. I made everyone carry their goals huh. in writing on their person. If I walked up to you and said, "Hey, I need to see your goals," if you could seriously, if you oh my, if God. you couldn't pull a piece of paper out, because I even said, "Because see, if you have it on a piece of paper, if it's in your pocket, in your purse, every time you put your hand in your pocket, it reminds you of your goals." And when you get you when you when you're 
You get home at night, you're putting all the stuff out of your pockets up on your dresser. You reach in there and you grab those goals and it reminds you of your goals. I'm just, you know, goal setting. Yeah. I know how important goals are. I know how important written written goals are. But again, the thought of doing that for my family hadn't been within a thousand miles of my head. I mean, complete disconnect. How can I be so disconnected? Okay, okay, David, write me out an agenda of exactly what you do. Because see, I it took only a millisecond for, for me to, to say, if I do all of that for my business, I have goal-setting strategies. We have strategy meetings every yeah, year. You we can have, see the vision for your family. You say, this, okay, this works in my business. Oh, I, mean, I wouldn't but, even... But, but why not do it in my home? Why are we so disconnected? Why now? Yeah. And, and when I when I share that, the light comes on for everybody. This thin veil that somehow this is what we do for our business. We don't do anything intentionally at home. Okay. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you say it, it only takes a second for that person to go. Okay, I got it. I got it. You don't have to convince me. I'm in. I'm in. Show me what I need to do to do this very same thing for my family. We. For whatever reason, we think whatever we want to have happen at work, we have to do on purpose. Everything we want to have happen at home is somehow going to happen by accident. <laughs> right? And yeah, that's, you know yeah, what? The, yeah. the, the stuff that happens by accident is normally stuff we don't want to we don't, don't want to have, have happen. happen. <laughs> exactly. So that's <clears throat> here I am, a business owner. Uh, I've got uh, these these insurance agents that I've been training and developing and 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 building this organization. And I'm just going. This like this 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 just blew my mind. I I was a very short sighted thinker. You know, the Lord's coming back in the next five or ten years. Why should I have a vision beyond me? What a waste of yeah, time. Yeah, to be, thirty years later, you're going. Exactly. He's still not back yet. Exactly. I said, you know, so honestly, I've had no vision. This generation of believers, yeah. depending on on your eschatology and, yeah, right. and the Lord's coming back and all that. We are short-sighted thinkers, right. okay? There is no multi-generational thinking. And this was like a whole new a whole new thinking for me to go, okay. Well, so what did you, so you, you, you so David gives he you. He wrote, wrote us out the agenda. Yeah. We then, set a date, drove to Tulsa, locked ourselves in a hotel room. He said, spend an hour or an hour and a half driving wherever you're going to go to do this. Uh, give yourself some windshield time. You and your wife can just talk, kind of decompress. And then get to your location, <clears throat> and then Did you spend, take your girls with you. Yeah, no, we we took our our six month old because she was still okay, still too little. So we, we left the other kids at home. Okay, um, and we we drive to Tulsa, and and he said first thing you do is spend an hour in prayer. Okay, okay. so we get in there. Okay, yeah, we get our Bible. We, we get our Bible out. We start praying. And yeah, we pray for everything we can think of to pray. It's like twenty minutes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> We, we have another got 40, 40 to go. I, got, I can't, what I are we can't think pray of what to pray for. Exactly. So we open up the Bible, and it, and and I, I remember hearing a story about this family called the Rechabites um, in Jeremiah chapter 35. And Jeremiah invites this family into the temple, says, listen, I've got a word from the Lord for you. Yeah. Uh, so the heads, the leaders of this family all sit down. He sets wine out before them and says, hey, drink that wine. Uh, and then I've got this word from God. Okay, the Rechabites look at each other. We're not. We're not going to drink that wine. He said, "Well, why not?" Well, our our great grandfather Jonadab told us, uh, gave us three family instructions, three family values. We are to drink no wine, and we're to own no land, and we're to grow no crops. And you, your children, 
and your children's children forever. That's his instructions. And uh, <clears throat> we're not gonna we're not gonna start we're not changing that now. And Jeremiah said, "Thank you. This was a test to see if you would disobey." And because he said, "Yeah," they said, "Look, when the Chaldeans came and took Shadrach, Meshach, yeah, Abednego, and Daniel back to Babylon, and pillaging the land, yeah. we rolled up our tents and we moved out of town. We didn't own any land. We didn't grow any crops. We had nothing to defend." And those three instructions preserved their family alive. And those instructions were given 200 years earlier by Jonadab, son of Rechab. Mm-hmm. Um, he was alive during the time of Ahab and Jezebel. So the, the, the Israel was going into the deepest, darkest <clears throat> um, idol worship. And, and, um, and Jonadab gave this, these instructions to their family. 300 years later, the Assyrians came and attacked Israel. Again, the Rechabites rolled up their tents and moved out of town. Their family was preserved alive. I said, oh, God, uh, would you give the Gunn family its three instructions that if mm. they did these three things, what is our drink no wine and own no land and grow no crops? What is that for us? You know. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he said, and this is uh, God wants to give you a blessing as a Rechabite because uh, the Lord has sent his prophets to the people of Israel saying, know the Lord, walk with him, follow him, and they've disobeyed. Here, your parents, your grandparents gave you this, this instruction one time, and you're living it out as white hot as if they gave it to you yesterday, and they, it was 200 years ago. So you guys are a shining example of a family that that passed the vision and passed these values to every generation. And so because of that, there is this blessing that God gave to the Rechabites. It is that you will always have a godly descendant who will stand before me. I said, okay, God, I want the, I want the Rechabite blessing on the Gunn family. What are, the, what are our three instructions? So uh, the three things that we want to pass to every generation. Number one, to see your family as your first and most important ministry, your first and most important disciples. Second, uh, we're going to be heavily involved in helping our children to discover who they're supposed to marry because who you marry affects yeah. just everything, okay? Yes. And third, we're going to put an end to unresolved sibling conflict. So if we could pass those three things to every generation, then we feel like we would have accomplished everything God put us on this earth to do um, is to pass that vision to them. So did you did, did you fix it, figure those three things out at you your wife no, at it, that it, one? Not 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 on, not on that first that okay. first event. Mm-hmm. All that came out was this vision statement, and this just came out of the end of our pen. Having read that, mm-hmm. prayed over that that Rechabite story, uh, that we are to lay the foundations for many godly generations. Okay, so you went so so that gave you a great general heading. That's right to work from, uh, but that that. Kind of helped that sustained set the us. Right that there. sustained us right there for the, for the next two or three years, and yeah. we we then uh, began to, as we were. In fact, I found a Stephen Covey had done a audio book. I think one of his Seven Habits that of the mm-hmm. famous Seven Habits oh, yeah. book was to write a family mission statement. Well, um, he then did an audio book of how to write a family mission statement. Well, I ordered that and I listened to that thing about 10 times mm-hmm. before we left to go on our trip to to write this mission statement for our family uh, and to write goals for our mm-hmm. family. So um, that has that has just changed the direction of our family. And so I then began 
1997 is when this this happened. In fact, um, I had I had been in business from 1980 until 1997. What is that? 17 years. So I was 19, and now I'm 17 years later. I'm 30, almost 37. Um, and that's when I find out about this family mission statement and vision statement. But that year, in 1996, uh, I believe that that happened because of what happened in December 96. And it was, i just come gone to a company convention. Um, one of the guys had gotten recognized for making over 950000 in the last year. Yeah. He got all wow. this recognition. Yeah. It's just unbelievable. Oh, um, and there's tweaking your old, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, all, that, exactly. all that approval. <laughs> right. And I got zero approval. I just wish, I'd have given anything if they'd have just used my name in vain. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been out. I'd yeah, almost been. <laughs> I'm getting some attention, even <laughs> exactly. if it's not the right negative, kind. Negative attention would be even uh, better than nothing. So I'm just going, Lord, what do you like about this guy, Roy Matlock, what do you write? What do you like about Roy Matlock that you don't like about me? Why would you bless him so much? And I'm down here struggling and not achieving what all these other guys are. They're blowing past me. He'd been in the business five years less than I had been. I should be five years ahead of him, and I'm I'm five years behind him. And I'm going, Lord, what? And is you've that? even got your goals in your pocket. <laughs> exactly. Oh yeah, man. I'm thinking I'm doing all the right stuff. And so I thought, you know what? I've heard about this fasting thing. I've heard about fasting. So I'm going to fast and pray until God reveals to me what I'm doing wrong to not get the the blessing that this Roy Matlock guy's getting. <laughs> Why am I not getting it? I don't know how long you can go before you die from from starvation, but I, I'm I'm committed to this fast mm-hmm. until I get an answer from God. And so it's right in the, it's in December, and we're doing every Christmas party on the earth, you know, company Christmas party, family Christmas parties. And you're fasting church Christmas, and I'm fasting. Oh, oh my it was gosh. the most brutal. No, that oh, would be. man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to put that in the suggestion box. Don't ever fast <laughs> Don't in December. Don't fast in December. <laughs> anyway, so I'm going to all these Christmas parties, and finally Rhonda goes to like the third or fourth one. She goes, Greg, I'm not going to another Christmas party with you if you're fasting. I'm not going. I'm not going to sit over there. all you I'm, do is salivate. I'm hiding over here eating while you're standing there wasting away. <laughs> and I said, Rhonda, I am so sorry that my fasting is inconveniencing you, but I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with me. And when I do, it's going to bless us in a big way. So leave me alone. Anyway, uh, I was a little testy at the time, but um, sure enough, I go to the five days in, uh, I go to a Christmas party and I just, I, I bust, I eat everything on the table. I get so sick. You're never supposed to, to fa- eat yeah, <laughs> right. Eat some heavy food after you've been fasting. But sure enough, and I'm going, ah, oh, I'm such a loser. I can't even fast correctly. <laughs> I'm in such bad shape, you know. But you know what? God did something during that fast. I got less than 5% of the breakthrough I was looking for during the fast. I believe 95%, I received 95% of my breakthrough in the weeks and the months and the years after that fast. Because it was in that December that 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 David Smith came up to me and said, Greg, you need to do oh, a fast. After annual, the fast? After I fasted. That's when he, oh. he that's when he was absent that week from from church. Oh. And that's when he brought that to me. Okay. The next year, my 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 business more than doubled. Uh, and, and my financial services business exploded. 
1999, our investment business took off. That was the tech, the big tech bubble run up, you know. Yes. So our investment business went off the chart. And so we were, we were, um, and and my income exploded. I went over, I made over $500,000 that next year mm-hmm. or that th- three years later. Um, anyway, it was just, God just began to bless that. And it was in night is in the, in the year 2001 that God began to speak. So I started sharing family ID. And at the time we called it a family vision weekend where we would take couples out on a weekend you and, Rhonda? and Rhonda and I, just uh, like your own, just a, this is a passion I'm sharing with exactly others. Right. And call, business, other business owners that I, uh, was, was in business with, um, I told them about how this had changed my life. I began to, they began to send me around and speak at all these company workshops. And how did you get your business to grow so fast? So I told every one of them that I fasted and you got to fast. Fasting will blow your mind. I'm up there talking about fasting and prayer at these company conventions, you know, and they're going, and they're some going of these people are going, wait a minute. <laughs> Look, yeah. One guy goes, Greg, I want you to speak to my organization. Look, but I'm Jewish. So don't talk about all that praying stuff. You oh know? gosh! So, dude, I'm sorry. I'm. I got to tell you how, why I think our business took off is because we fasted and prayed. I don't know how it works, but <laughs> that's what happened. Anyway, it turned. It worked out great. But that's when God began to really. Um, we just started getting requests. Hey, can you come and teach us how to write a family mission statement? So we created a little workbook, and we we took people through the process of writing a vision writing a mission statement. How do you discover your core values? And we did that. Um, and and God began to speak to me and said, uh, you need to go full-time. You need to sell your business to go full-time. This is in you know, 2001, 2002. Um, and here and you are going great guns. I'm, going, yeah, no, I'm no, already no, in no, full-time no, no Christian no. work. Lord, yeah. I'm, I'm out here sharing my testimony. I, I get to tell people. this money. I get and, to tell people and, about and, fasting. Uh, and then I'm doing both. Look at right. this. I'm I know how them. I'm going to retire. I know how I'm going to, you know, we because we were goal setters. So we wrote goals. We're going to buy an island. Uh, we're, you know, <laughs> we're big, hairy, audacious goals, you yes, know. Wow, yes. we're, uh, we got dreaming like crazy, you know. And so... Um, the Lord's saying, you need to sell your business and go full-time. Oh, Jesus, please. Yeah. Well, anyway, so it's at church on Sunday, I'm, I'm listening to sermon after sermon, and I'm writing in my notes there and, and on, on the little note deal. I'm writing my notes, and it says, go full-time, family, I, family vision. I go, Rhonda, look what the Lord just spoke to me. She go, well, you better do it. You better go full-time. Oh, okay, yeah. Anyway, Monday would come. The ether would wear off. I was back at work again. Yes. Ah, oh, that really, you know. Okay, I'll try to. I'll, I'll try to go full time sometime. Uh, right. How and, did you know? First of all, when when you because the proof's in the pudding. Later, you realize that was definitely the voice of God. No question. All right. But in that moment, mm, for the, mm. so for the listener out right, there, who's right. trying to discern, how do you know <laughs> it's the voice of God that's speaking to you? What was that, Greg? You know. Um, the voice of God, it wasn't for me a, a an audible voice. In fact, his voice sounds a lot like my own voice or my own thoughts, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. just almost indiscernible between what I'm thinking yep. and what God's speaking to me. But what I, I was only able to look back and go, okay, now, of course, that was God speaking to me. Now, yeah. of course, I knew if it's if it was some accusation or some, you know. Yeah, you're, that's you're from a, the 
Pitter You're a stupid there. idiot. Yeah, exactly. That's not the Lord doesn't talk to Even though those, God I, doesn't I, trash talk you. That's right. Yeah. I don't, those are my thoughts too. Yeah. But I know those are not those are not thoughts from God. So it was, you know, just over and over and over, I'd get this uh go for literally 30 sets of sermon notes over a two or three year period. Uh I had written that go full time, sell your business, all that. Oh, th- this was bubbling up from the sermons even that that oh, so yeah, you're, yeah. you're I'm getting the message. A sermon and I'm going, oh man. Well my golly, I mean thirty different times <laughs> oh, yeah. you're getting the oh, yeah. high sign. You think I'd have at least half a brain well, in that's one actually, eye. <laughs> that's actually <laughs> that's a bit. That's good. You're right. You're right. It's like so oh. clear. It's so clear. <laughs> and I just literally the fear of going into full-time ministry, having to raise money, yeah. having to ask people for money, thinking, how, what are they going to think of me? See, I needed their approval. Though. I mean, you're still a sales guy. But I needed their approval so bad, I thought they're going to be avoiding me. Oh, I by I'm, doing that, they'll think you're needy or I'm something. in it for them, yeah. Or that, uh, yeah. And so um, I knew how I felt when people were trying to raise money from me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Calling me. Yeah. When are they going to get to the point? Yeah. Uh, you know, I need partners. What? what? No, you need money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all, all the lingo. All right. you all, yeah. yeah. It's kind of uh, like when they first the, started talking about Greg, taxing as an investment. Right, Greg, I need to yeah. meet with you for a few minutes. Can you tell me kind of what this is all about? Uh, mm-hmm. I just need to meet with you. Oh, brother, he's going Rhonda. Yeah. This dude's coming to meet me. He wants some. He wants some money. He wants to raise. He's raising money for something, you know. Oh, and now thought, you're gonna oh, be one, dude. Man. I don't want to ever have people saying that about me. Uh, yeah, Greg's coming over, honey, and I bet he's coming over to raise money. All right, please, Lord, please don't let me. I'm doing full time Christian work. I'm I'm able to share my faith at work. I'm I'm already in full time. All right, oh, I justify, justify, justify. Until 2006. And I've been, you know, kind of that voice had kind of died a little down a little bit. And, and so my brother calls up, says, Greg, I have got this company. You have got to buy stock in this company. Uh, it's called Avial. It's just, it's an aircraft parts supplier. And he said, I'm their realtor. I'm out buying and, and leasing warehouse space for them to put their aircraft parts in at airports all over the country. I go in and renegotiate their leases. They are growing like crazy. You got to buy their stock. I said, okay, all right. I've got an IRA account in my uh, in my brokerage account. I said, yeah, I've got some money in there. So, uh, he said, no, you need to buy options on that stock. I said, okay, I don't know anything about options. He said, I I know a little bit. I go, okay, I got a guy in my office. He has the credentials to get into my account. You and him, you guys talk about it. Y'all y'all figure out figure out what I need to buy. Uh, sounds great. So he and I talk about it. Sure enough, two weeks later, this Aviol merges with uh, Boeing. Oh my! And their stock explodes. It just goes bananas. And I put a hundred thousand dollars in it, and I it doubled to two hundred thousand in two weeks. Oh my! Oh my gosh! Glory to God! <laughs> Thank you, Jesus, for this awesome. Thank you, my brother Philip. Oh man, I've you're just incredible. Been blessed. <laughs> yeah. And so. Um, about about six weeks later, I get a call from the SEC, Securities and Exchange yeah, Commission. It's like the the police, oh, if you will. The securities, the securities oh, police. Fear. Everybody knew. <clears throat> yeah, you know, you, you you've had a we had a protocol. If the SEC ever calls you, to, to say to them, <laughs> we had to memorize it. Say to them, 
could you hold just one moment? <laughs> I have to get our home office on the phone. Oh. Do not talk to them. Don't without us being on the phone. Okay. Pardon me. I, I this is not has nothing to do with your business, Greg. This is a personal matter. Uh, okay, what's it about? Well, we think you had insider information to buy that stock in Avial. Oh my gosh. It's like my whole life passed before my eyes in oh, one moment. Man, yes. Everything slowed down. Everything went into slow motion. The blood drained out of my head. <laughs> going, uh, I can't even spell insider information. I, I don't. I didn't have insider. Well, there were five of you who bought that stock at the same time, and you all bought options on that stock at the same time. That's that's highly unusual. We think oh. we're starting an investigation today to see. Um, if you may have had insider information to buy that stock. Oh, well, that starts a four-year, one of the darkest days, darkest times of my life were during this time. Yeah. And the, uh, the, the, the SEC uh, attorneys dealing with them, thinking that they're looking for truth, and what they're looking for is to get a conviction or find me liable. (laughs) That's their journey. That's their goal. (laughs) Whatever they got to do to find me liable. I'm the only one of this group of five that has a securities license. So, um, and 99% of all insider trading cases are, are, um, are settled. You don't admit or deny guilt. You just pay the money back plus double whatever that money back was, whatever you made. I made a hundred thousand, so I need to pay a hundred thousand plus a fine of a hundred thousand. You don't have to admit or deny guilt. Ninety nine percent of them are settled without going to court. Well, but not you. If I settle, oh, I no. lose my securities license. Oh. All the other guys settle, no problem. Didn't cause them hardly any heartache. It caused me more sleepless nights, more agonizing than I've ever agonized. Ah. Uh, anyway. It, it, it culminates in a five-day uh, trial in Dallas, the Northern District of Dallas. Um, mm-hmm. Federal. Federal court. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. I have to go down there. And I'm telling you, dude, I have pray, pray, I was praying, God, please. You did it for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You showed up in the fire with them. Um, I, You know, you're no, you're, you're, you're no, you don't. What, what do you call it when he's no he's no respecter of persons? Mm-hmm. He, if he'll do it for them, he'll do it for me, right? Um, and I'm telling you, everything we did to try to win that case and not be found liable, right, it just didn't work. I mean, it was supernatural how God did not let me win that. I mean, oh he my made sure I didn't win the case. The fix was in from God, <laughs> which is a real problem. Oh, man. That wasn't what I was praying for. That wasn't what I was asking for. How do you, how do you process something when, you've, when God doesn't answer your prayer the way you prayed it and in the timing you prayed for it to happen? Man, I felt so abandoned by God during that time. Of course, my wound is my reputation. My wound is being liked. My wound yeah. is um, being accepted. And I'm oh everything, just, every oh man, every 
touchy point. Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, uh, dude, it was like, and so one of the things God revealed to me during that time was that I had, there's so many layers of what God's doing in our lives, right? Sure. So one of the layers in yeah. this was, was that um, I knew how I was going to send my kids to college. I knew how I was going to retire. I knew how I was going to buy the island you know, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, I knew how I was going to do all that. Um, and the Lord said, Greg, and, and I was in a pretty safe position. I mean, I, 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 I didn't have to work as hard as I used to work. I had all these people in my organization. Mm-hmm. I was getting an override off of their production. Mm-hmm. Things were really pretty good. Yet I was miserable in some ways. Mm-hmm. I would have told you at the time I was miserable. I would have said, you know, work is work. If it wasn't work, it, they'd call it play, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, mean, I have to work. It's it's not fun all the time, whatever, but that's just part of part of it, you know. But in really a lot of ways, I wasn't doing what God wanted me to do. And thus there was no joy. The joy of it wasn't there. The 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 fulfillment wasn't there anymore, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so in, in some ways I was kind of miserable. I was just miserable tr- trying to recruit people, trying to motivate people. Uh, I had a couple of guys who had, had, had left the, my, left my organization, taken all their business with them. You know, I felt, felt really betrayed by them. Mm. Um, and had some bitterness building up toward those guys and, and stuff. And so it, it just wasn't, it just wasn't fulfilled at that time. So uh, I was reading this devotional, like your streams in, yeah. the, in the desert. But yeah. mine was um, uh, Oswald Chambers' daily devotional, mm. My Utmost for His Highest. Oh, yeah. In there, he shares, he says that the, the ship of your life, the boat of your life, was not designed to be tied to a dock in the safety of a harbor. The boat of your life was designed to be out into the depths with God. It was designed to be an ocean-going vessel, not one uh, in a, in a stuck in a, in a harbor. That's a profound thought right there. <laughs> really? I mean, safety in the harbor is not where you're supposed to be. Yeah. Boats were not designed. To be sitting tethered to a dock. Yeah, in the safety harbor. In fact, if you don't break those lines, you don't cut those lines that tie your boat to that dock, God will have to send a storm into that harbor to break those lines to get you out into the depths with him. Oh, man, that is such a consistent truth right there. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, and yes. well, I can tell you this. If you don't cut those lines when that storm comes into the to the to the harbor, you're 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 the crap's going to get beat out of your boat before yeah. those lines break. Yeah. Okay. Sounds like that's what happened to your boat. It did. It did. So on t- in, in 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 October of two thousand and nine, um, the judge makes the ruling that that I that I am now found liable for and because it's a civil case. You know, you, you're, you're found liable. You're not found guilty. Right, but, right. Um, and so I, it, it, I had to sell my business. I had to try to explain to all these people that I'd been all over the country sharing my faith and talking about fasting. And oh, I look like fasting's gosh, working for so you, Greg. Embarrassing. Oh, oh <laughs> totally my embarrassing. Gosh. I don't even want to. Cry. Oh, <laughs> the times that I would 
I just wanted to crawl in a hole and stay in my house and didn't want to talk to anybody. Didn't want to have to explain anything to anybody. You know, how can I just disappear, you know? And he was wanting wanting you to sell your business, (laughs) and now you have to sell your business. I do not have a choice. I even prayed this prayer. Oh, I can't believe I prayed it. Lord, would you just take selling my business out of my hands so that I don't have to choose it? I don't have to decide it. Why did I say that? Why would I pray that? Because I couldn't, I was too, I was too weak to just sell my business and take that leap of faith, you know, and I could have sold it for a lot more. And I, uh, anyway. Well, yeah, Um, well, absolutely. And you wouldn't have had to pay a couple hundred grand. (laughs) Oh, my court costs, my. Oh, oh, there's the lawyer fee. It cost me a million dollars in lost revenue in in court costs and fines. And <laughs> I hope I hope the listener you you all listening right now. I mean, I mean I mean what you're what you're hearing is is what you, what you would be what you'd be making a mistake of thinking right now is that Greg is experiencing some really unique never heard about that kind of thing happening <laughs> right, before because right. this is this is life with the Lord. This is he's he he yeah. wants our best. He he really wants our best, mm-hmm. and he is a loving mm-hmm. father. But but yeah. by golly, um, he will mm. he he will hold us responsible. Yeah, and you know one of the guys that I really God really spoke to me to pray for was the prosecutor for the SEC, and uh, man, I just saw him as so evil, as so mean, as mm-hmm. so. Terrible, man! Why could it be yeah. so terrible yeah. as to yeah. as to continue to attack me, you know, and and just ruin my life and on and on? So the Lord said, "Greg, I want you to start praying for His blessing." Oh no, no, please, no, no, no! I don't want to pray. <laughs> you didn't blow that off like you were the other things he was, he was telling you to do. No, no, no! I can't. I ain't praying for His. So then He reveals to me Luke chapter six. 27 through 36 in the Amplified Classic. It's very important that you read it in the Amplified Classic. I hope you all hear that. The Lord gave him some pretty specific (laughs) instructions here. Oh, man. In that, it is is the most powerful scripture in the world for praying for the blessing of your enemy. Do you realize how few people can pray for the blessing of their enemies? Well, it's like there's 10 people in the whole world. Yeah. I mean, you're one of 10 yeah. that can pray. Now, you're not going to feel, you're not going to feel it. You're not going to feel blessed, trying to feel blessing for them. You're not. Right. It's going to be a pure act of your will, out of your spirit. Your flesh isn't involved in any way right. if you're praying for the blessing of your enemy. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then in Job 42.10, uh, this is Job talking about the three guys that were, you know, what I call oh, fr- frenemies. Frenemies. These were supposed to be his. <laughs> I've not heard that. <laughs> frenemies. Yeah, the three guys that came in to help him and then ended right. up breaking him over the coals. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, so, frenemies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, and how many of us know what we're talking about yeah, yeah, when you say, yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, I've got some frenemies. Oh, my God. <laughs> people who betrayed me, people who've taken advantage of me, people who took, took money from me, whatever. Yeah. Well, God... In that, it says that Job, God said, Job, uh, I'm upset 
at the men who have not spoken to me, have not spoken of me those things that are that are correct. You know, those guys were all saying, now, you know what, God, yeah. the reason you're where you're at is because yeah. you got sin in your life yeah. and you got, look, God is punishing you. Don't you know how God works? He's a punisher of people who do evil things. Uh, and he says, they've spoke, they have not spoken to, of me the things that are right. But if you'll go to Job, take bull, take these seven bulls, seven rams, and 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 Job Job will sacrifice them for you, and he will pray for you. Mm. And you know what his prayer was for them? That God would not treat them the way they deserve. That he would not mm. make them reap what they've sown mm. against him. And and God heard Job's prayer, and God, um. And God doubled his his blessing when he prayed for his friends, when he prayed that nothing bad would come upon them. Yeah. Okay. When they would not uh, would not reap what they'd sown, or uh, so you did this for the prosecutor. So I start praying for this prosecutor. I prayed for him, and then during the trial, I would every day at the end of the end of the day, I'd go up and shake his hand and say, "Man, you did great today. You are you're kidding me." And he looked at me like I had three heads. I mean, <laughs> that I'm telling now, just speaking here as a former prosecutor, I never had anybody come up to me. Now, I did have one guy look at me afterwards and says, I'll be seeing you around. <laughs> you know, you know exactly. the guy that we just sit down for armed robbery, yeah, yeah, looking at me. Yeah, but did, I did not have anybody tell me, you did a great job today. And dude, he was blown away. I mean, he just thought this must be dripping with sarcasm. Well, I was able to even call him after the trial, after it was all over. I called him. I found him at a law firm. I'll never forget his name, you know. Wow. And I and I called him and I said, I just wanted to again tell you that God had been working. I come to find out he's a believer. He's been going to um, BS uh, Bible yeah, Study yeah, Fellowship. Fellowship. Yeah, yeah. He's, yeah. For six years, he'd been in Bible study fellowship. And I couldn't have told it oh, when he was in there. Oh, my heavens, you me. modeled <laughs> something that had to just blow his mind. He said, Greg, I knew there was something different about you because of your demeanor in that courtroom. I just, you know, now I know. I said, well, I said, God God used you to um, help me um, go take take a whole new direction in my life. And I'm, I'm now... Um, I'm now I've developed this family ID, family vision ministry, and this is what I was supposed to do. This is how I, this is the path that by which God got me to here. And and so my my kind of my uh, my favorite saying is every setback is a setup for God to bless you even more. Well, every, say that again. Yeah. That is really good. Every setback is a setup for God to bless you even more. And the greater the setback, the greater the setup for God to bless oh, you man. even I, more. That, that just so resonates with my experience oh, with him. Yeah. What look, a look what back a, at our lives, hasn't it? That, it, hasn't that is it? exactly right. I, 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 boy, drink from that cup, folks. Mm-hmm. That is... Because I mean, God just doesn't waste anything. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, from the secular person's perspective what you experienced with the SEC was a disaster it was it was a disaster and yet within the context of what God was doing in your life he he was 
pressing you toward the sweet spot. I mean, he was forcing you. I mean, which is really remarkable. I mean, how many of us, and how many of you all listening? I mean, how, how, how many of us know that we're supposed to do blank, right? but we just can't take that next right step? Yeah. I, I just we're too we're too afraid, or we're it, it plays so into our wound, and it it just you just can't. And God is so good and so gracious. And like my personal mission statement, because I was totally into mission statements and vision statements, so <laughs> I had a personal mission statement, of course. Okay, and then a mission statement for your mission. <laughs> exactly statement. right. <laughs> exactly. I had one for my dog. No, um, but and my so my personal mission statement was to 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 have the greatest possible influence on the greatest possible number of people for Christ's sake. Yeah, so when someone said, well, Greg, why aren't you, why aren't you doing full-time Christian work? Well, right now, my mission statement is to have the greatest possible influence, the greatest possible number of people for Christ's sake. And right now that's, it's in business. I'm, I'm able to impact several thousand people. I'm speaking at these speaking meetings. Speaking at these big events and, and, yeah. and on and on. So, I don't have any opportunity to do that in full-time ministry, but I got this great opportunity here. Well, God has totally flipped that around. Today, God has given us a vision to take family ID to 30 million families by the end of the year 2022. Well, dude, that's like the most impossible thing on the earth. We, we've, we've had since 1997, we've been able to take it to 30,000 families because it's which is been, a lot of people. Yeah, which is much it's more not than 30 I would. Million. That's right. But it's more than I could have had in business, you know. Yes. And we're, we're now in 19 countries. We we have family ID in five languages. Uh God has been preparing and, and then this whole COVID thing, this whole COVID setback. Yes. was a giant setup for us to get everything digital where we can do family ID events. Um and nobody would think of doing a Zoom no, conference or exactly. whatever that would be. It was the One, way things are done now. Yeah, 90, 98% of all family ID families that have gone through our workshop have done it by me standing up in front of a group and doing a weekend workshop. And yeah. there's just not enough years and not enough uh, Greg guns or, or yeah. uh, to go and do a, an, a weekend workshop with 30 million families, especially to do it in in, in the next the next. Uh, less than two years. So that's the goal. That's the vision. I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm God's our fact. If you, any of you could pray for me, uh, there you go. That God would introduce us to and find the who's. Yeah. I don't know how, but there is a who out there that knows exactly how. In fact, they've already taken multiple companies or products to 30 million families. And yes. if, if this 2021 is our year to collect wisdom from those who've done what we want to do, so we're we're if you know a who, uh, we don't know, we're not supposed to try to figure out how we're supposed to figure out who 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 can't wait to help us and they can't wait to 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 teach us how uh, to take family ID to thirty million. But you know something, Greg, this is he. It sounds to me like God has been consistently bringing you the who. Whether it was a good. Texas prosecutor, yeah, that's good. I mean, I mean, I mean, just or, or or Pastor David, yeah, 
and telling you in 1997, mm-hmm. just so telling true. you this stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if you think back, you see how, and That's even good. look at look That's at the good. relationships and the connections this past year. You, you know, so many times, and I think about that with 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 me, with Saul, right. with right. all this. Yes, you know, yes. you, we just can't. You know, God moves at the speed of relationship. Which is frustratingly <laughs> slow sometimes. Yeah, Even it's good. like, You're come right. on, chop, right. chop, let's move this along a little bit. <laughs> right. But but and yeah. then all of a sudden, and I, I heard someone refer to the suddenlies. Right. Then there right. are the suddenlies. <laughs> and you don't even realize yeah. these things are are yeah. are coming. And and yeah. yet it's been it's been uh he's been working. Mm-hmm. The whole time. So, something that that I've I've said for years and years, twenty five years, is that nothing nothing that changes the world, nothing that you really have been seeking to accomplish, happens overnight. Yeah, but when it happens, it happens overnight. That's really. I mean, seriously. Well, you, you, well, well. It's kind of funny you hear about the the overnight uh, star yeah. who's been actually in the business right. for twenty for years. That's and, right. And then, the and twenty then, year overnight and then, success. And then when they're discovered suddenly, <laughs> right. you know, they've right. really been there the whole time. It's so true, you know. And um, God opened a door for us to have an appointment with because this year is the year to get wisdom. So yeah. we found out that one of the founders of DoorDash, yes, has an open calendar. So all you got to do is email him, get on his calendar. He gives you 30 minutes to share your idea with him. Mm-hmm. And then he determines if he wants to help you accomplish that or whatever. And so um, in, in October last year, the four DoorDash founders took their company public. It, it uh, They raised $32 billion. Goodness. They each became f- three and a half billionaires last year. Wow. Uh, and one of them, uh, um, uh, Evan Moore, um, ha- would, would let you come and talk to him. So we, we, March 26th of 2021, we, we got our 30 minute, uh, opportunity to talk to him about, about family ID. And he, he just sat there, uh, he'd, he'd gotten married in 2019 and just had his first child. Um, Oh, you're speaking and, his language yeah. a little bit there a little bit. And he says, uh, we said we're family ID. We help families put in writing their vision, mission, and values. Every company has a mission statement. Uh, how much more do you need one for your family? And he's like, he just looks off. It's on a Zoom call. He kind of looks off and goes, every business I own has a biz- company mission statement, vision, core values. We make everybody memorize it. He said, in fact, if I walked up to someone working on the line at SpaceX, so I guess he's an investor in SpaceX, I can ask them, how does your job affect the mission of the company? And they can tell me, uh, memorized what they do. He said, and yet I don't have anything like that for my family. He said, this is the best idea I've heard all week. I'm just the only one I'm going to share with my wife when I get home that this family ID thing, you know, of course he didn't say, Hey, and I'm going to help you guys and all that. You know, he didn't say anything. And we were like, we're like kind of depressed that he didn't, you know, we'd prayed and prayed that he would, Oh, this is the greatest idea in the world, and I'm going to help you guys. We're going to. Uh, no, he didn't. But I'd like for us to be praying that family idea will keep coming up in his mind, and he can't shake it. He can't get rid of it. And that one day he'll either introduce us to somebody who can help us take family ID to 30 million. So, well, and, and because Greg, I tell you, uh, and, and you're, 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 you think about it, what you're really doing, you're, 
you're installing the machinery for families generationally to generate hope. Amen. Amen. I mean, I mean, Amen. I mean, thinking about that, families to be living within the context of who they are, what mm. they're called into. Mm. I mean, um, I mean, you're you're really generating some serious success, hope. Amen. Um, Thank you. Yes, we, you know, we we really realized that, you know, fifty years ago, no company had a company mission statement. Only 50 years ago? Yeah. Uh, there, wow. There's, somebody's done a study, and it may be 60 years ago, but... Either way, it's yeah, not anyways, that... In, in the, yeah, in the, in the, since World know, War II. 50s or 60s, somewhere yeah. in there, there's this idea of having a company mission statement. Now, companies today wouldn't even... Well, how, how, how we think you, you're nuts if you didn't. How, yeah, how, It's how, become you, the culture. It is. And what you're doing is, is you're wanting it to become the culture of family. That's it. That's it. If it can happen in business, then we believe we are this idea whose time has come for it to now explode into the family. So uh, we're, we're, we're family. If you know your identity, if you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Families are just wandering around now without a, a sense of direction. With a, there is no intention. And then the blended family feels... Even especially further, so. yeah, further behind. I have such a special place in my heart for the blended family where they're trying to blend his, mine, and ours yeah. into one focused vision and all singing off the same sheet of music, you know. Uh, that's where I feel like family ID, if we can do it, if we do it right, if we get this thing right, um, if we just let it grow organically, it'll it'll wind around like a river. It'll just go mm. to the least of resistance. If, but if we can dig a trench to get this river to run through, mm -hmm. um, I really believe this could, this really could change the world. There are those that really have been successful in life, been great success. Now they're saying, Hey, how do I, how do I leverage my success into something that can change the world to being truly significant? Uh, that's, that's who we want to hook up with. Um, well, so let me ask you this as we, as we wrap this up here and, um, and this has really been spectacular. You, you've 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 shared so many nuggets that are so um, so deep, so profound, and and I, and I just um, really so appreciate that. Mm -hmm. But so, what's if you if you were to just to toss out what the next right step? So mm -hmm. I I can't imagine people listening to you and the value of of the family the mission statement all that without kind of wondering without being tweaked in their yeah, interest right, greatly right, and right. so so what do so what's the i mean obviously you've got a website yes uh yes. family id family dash id.com so you just google that and you'll find us well, so certainly that can be the, the next right <clears throat> step but but yes. now what what's the next right step for them internally? I mean, I mean, what's the, what's how does this? Yeah. Well, it just it's like, um, you know, we 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 realize that our our absolute focused target target the pe the people 
Uh, that's something that Evan Moore said. He said, you've got to figure out who your absolute target is. And he said, mm-hmm. when we were creating DoorDash, we discovered that our target were couples who just had a baby. That's the person who their whole life is now topsy-turvy. They're probably going to be willing to call DoorDash and have food delivered to their home because they don't want to cook. they got buy diapers and they don't get sleep and, and they're they go just, and they're willing to pay for just now, get me right today free. kids who have parent, parents who just had a child might be three percent of their market mm. but when they were formulating this thing they made that their target target okay mm-hmm. we see our target market that person that when i say you have a company mission statement or a church mission and vision and values and you wouldn't wouldn't think about operating without one how much more do you need one of those for your family? Mm. And within a millisecond, they get it. They go, oh, but they don't know what to do. Okay, so that's where we see our our target is that person. If, if what, what you've heard today says, oh, you're right. I do all that for my business, but I don't have anything like that for my family. You're our target. You're the one who now needs to say, all right, I'm going to go to that website. We have a version of this that's all all online, all streaming. You download the workbook. Uh, good friend of mine, I just met him a few weeks ago, and he's taking his family through this every Monday night. He and his wife, they're three boys, nine, uh, seven, and five. They're taking this week by week and doing an, uh, just an hour, uh, and they're going to go through. And within within six weeks, it, they're going to there's six sessions. They can all be done in about a, about three and a half hours. It gives you time to write and time to write down the See, vision. See, this is just not complex. I mean, it's, it's, there, there is a simple. It's been made very just simple. Just go to the website. You can get yep, what you need. That's right. And then just. That's right. We have all these free resources. We have, the, we have this incredible team captain training program for your older siblings. They're the team captain. How do I, how do I treat my brothers and sisters better than my best friend? Oh, there Great. you go. It's absolutely free. Just download it. We have an app uh, uh, in your. Uh, on your on your, in your app store, uh, so you just go to Family ID and you'll find us there. You got all this great resources, awesome videos, um, and and we would love to offer the Family ID workshop to all of your listeners. It's hundred and sixty dollars if you buy it online, and but we'd be willing to give it away if you just uh, just send Wes uh, an email and. Um, we'll, uh, he'll send it to us and then we can, I'll, I'll do that. We can, well, uh, yeah, or, so or how, how would you want however, them to do well, it? Well, <laughs> however they wanted to get to you, okay, good. if they get to good. me, if, I'll pass if, it along. If, right. If you'll send us your name and your email address, we'll, we'll send you the family ID workshop on demand, uh, streaming into your home into onto your mobile device. Well, Greg Gunn, uh, thank you. Thank you. Really, this has been awesome. You know, and I'm just reminded, if I, 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 the, the Lord did me a great favor when, when he ran me out of office. And it, the release and the pain of the release, <laughs> all it did was it's just uh, mm-hmm. um, it exposed me to really my sweet spot. Mm. And it sounds like Amen. the pain of a little SEC <laughs> is fun, fun, finally yes. got you out of the boat yes. Yes. and, uh, or actually moving the boat out of right. the harbor yeah. and into the, into the place you should be. Yeah. So 
Well yeah. done. Thank, uh, thank you very much again, Greg. Thank and you, Wes. We really, what a joy. What really a joy appreciate what thank you're you. doing. I love yeah. that. You're you're just a delight. And um, and so for the rest of you all, we'll just see you next time. Bye bye.